my friend, I have a favor to ask. I'm running as a hero in the 2023 St. Jude Memphis Marathon weekend. St. Jude heroes are runners who fundraise while they train for their race. And I am proud to be a part of this nationwide alliance against childhood cancer. I want to help make sure that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food, so they can focus solely on helping their child live. Your donation, no matter the size, will help. Will you help me reach my fundraising goal? Please visit my fundraising page to show your support at fundraising.stjude.org slash go to slash Donita J. That's D-O-N-I-T-A-J. There's a link in the show notes. I can't thank you enough for helping the kids of St. Jude. Today, we are diving into some listener questions. I love these episodes because I know that I am serving you exactly what you need. So today, we are discussing stroke choice, elevation gain, headphones, getting bored, chafing, and staying motivated. So listen in for episode 34 of the official triathlete podcast. Hey, my friend, my name is Danita Jacobs. Some people know me as a nurse, a leader, and health expert. Other people know me as a coach, race official, and seasoned triathlete. But at the end of the day, I'm simply a friend with a mission. I want to help you transform your life. My goal isn't to help millions. My goal is to help you. Welcome to the official triathlete podcast, where you will learn about all things multi-sport broken down into bite-sized pieces and how we can blend life demands with fitness goals. My approach is different because I am blending my 20 plus years of healthcare and athletic experience to help you be the healthiest, happiest, and most balanced athlete you can be. I believe in you, even if you don't. You really can reach those soaring goals, and I'm here to help you get there. I'm so glad you made it here. If you have a question or topic idea, get in touch and let me know. After all, this show is for you. Enjoy. Hello, my friends and fellow athletes. Thanks for tuning in. I'm so grateful that you are here. Before I answer some listener questions, I always start with a little message from my Train With Heart program. It's my mission to transform the whole athlete. So heart not only develops and prepares the body for improved athletic performance, but aims to optimize the whole person through healing, empowerment, awareness, reflection, and transformation. So each episode, I share a little snippet from how I help my athletes with one of these elements. Today, we are going to discuss reflection. Today, we're diving deep into a topic that's not only close to my heart, but is also incredibly pertinent to both novices and seasoned triathletes alike, reflective practice for training and racing. As a registered nurse, my concern for holistic health and well-being of my clients extends beyond just physical training. So what is reflective practice? It's a method where individuals critically think about their experiences to gain insight and improve future performance. For triathletes, this can mean analyzing races, workouts, and even rest days to optimize training and race performance. Reflective practice has three essential components. Reflection on action. This is about thinking back after the training session or race. What went well? What could have been better? It's about understanding and learning from our mistakes and successes. Reflection in action. This is the ability to think on your feet during a race or training. How are you feeling? Are you pushing too hard or can you go faster? This immediate reflection can significantly impact your performance. And reflection for action. This is planning for the future. Based on past reflections, how can you adapt your training or strategy for the next race? But how does one effectively reflect? Here's a simple guide. Be honest. It's easy to make excuses or be too hard on oneself. 
Be truthful about your feelings, experiences, and outcomes. Write it down. Journaling can be an excellent tool. After each training or race, jot down your feelings, the environment, and any factor that influenced your performance. Over time, patterns might emerge. Discuss. Talk with fellow triathletes or coaches. Sometimes an outside perspective can provide insights you might have missed. But why is reflective practice essential? Well, for personal growth. It fosters a growth mindset. By consistently reflecting, you develop resilience and adaptability, both crucial for triathlons. You can avoid burnout. By understanding your limits and areas of stress, you can tailor your training to be both effective and sustainable. For holistic health. As a registered nurse, I believe that a triathlete's well-being is not just about the body, but also the mind. Reflective practice ensures mental and emotional health is taken care of, too. Wrapping up, triathlon is as much a mental game as it is a physical one. And just as we train our muscles, we should train our mind. Reflective practice offers a structured way to achieve that. Reflection is a key to growth. Stay strong, stay reflective, and keep pushing your limits. Today, I'm answering some listener questions. I love these episodes. So if you have a question, you can either submit it on my website at trynursecoaching.com on the contact me form, or send me an email at officialtriathletepodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get started. First question. I'm training for a 70.3 and swimming is my weakness. I can swim breaststroke at around a 230 per 100 pace. I'm self-learning freestyle from YouTube videos, but with little progress. I can swim faster going freestyle, but I gas out much quicker. Should I still focus on freestyle or focus on breaststroke? All right. My suggestion is to stick with freestyle. Even if you feel like you can go the distance doing breaststroke, freestyle is more efficient, and I would worry that you will actually gas out in a 1.2-mile swim doing breaststroke. Not to mention, you are using your legs for a significant amount of propulsion when using the breaststroke. During the swim in a triathlon, you only want to use your legs enough to keep your bottom half from sinking and causing drag. That way you can save your legs for the bike and the run. Remember, though, that in a triathlon, you can do whatever stroke you want. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be an official stroke like front crawl, breaststroke or backstroke. Certainly not butterfly, though. Whoa, that's a hard stroke and will tire anyone out fast. You can doggy paddle, side stroke, or any combination of strokes, so you can combine your freestyle and your breaststroke as much as you need to, whatever it takes to get through the swim. As long as you are moving forward, you're good to go. And also remember that if you get tired, it is perfectly legal and okay to hang onto the side of a boat and rest for a few minutes. I am a longtime triathlete, coach, volunteer, and certified race official. I've seen all kinds of crazy things in the water. But back to freestyle or the front crawl, it really is the most efficient. I highly suggest that you find a one-on-one swim coach and have a few lessons. You would be surprised at how quickly a few tweaks will change your stroke and help you build endurance. One of my athletes took more than 30 seconds off their 100 pace after just one session. And after three sessions, he's taken off another 15 seconds. By the way, I do virtual sessions with athletes, so reach out if you're interested. And if you are in the Memphis area, I offer personalized one-on-one swimming instruction for adults. I've helped athletes that couldn't even put their face in the water learn to swim, and I would love to help you. Okay, next question. What is elevation gain? In simple words, elevation gain is like the uphill score of your journey. 
If you're biking or running and want to know how tough the uphill parts will be, you'd be looking at the elevation gain. It's a way to understand the challenge ahead, not just how far you'll go, but how much you'll climb. It is how much you go uphill during a bike ride or a run. Think of it like climbing a set of stairs. Each step you go adds to your total elevation gain. It's not about how far you travel forward, but how much you go up. Imagine walking on a flat sidewalk versus hiking up a steep hill. Even if they're the same distance, the hill is going to be harder, right? That's why people who cycle or run care about elevation gain. It tells them how challenging their route will be because of the uphill parts. Elevation gain specifically counts only the cumulative ascent or the total uphill portions of a route, regardless of any descents. Imagine if you're on a bike ride and you climb up a hill that's 100 meters high. Then you descend 50 meters before ascending another 70 meters. Your total elevation gain for this hike would then be 170 meters. That would be the 100 meters from the first hill and 70 meters from the second. The descent of 50 meters is not subtracted from your total gain. In essence, elevation gain provides a measure of all the uphill challenges you face during your activity without accounting for the downhill parts. The downhill segments would be considered under elevation loss, but they don't detract from the total gain figure. Okay, next question. Are we allowed headphones during the run after T2? The fast answer is no. During a triathlon, headphones are never allowed, even the kind that doesn't go in your ears. No personal audio devices are allowed on course. This is for safety reasons. You need to be able to hear what's going on around you. And this brings me to the next question. How do you keep from getting bored on long runs and rides? I use headphones, but it's not enough to occupy my mind, and that's a tool that won't be allowed on race day. So this is a great question and one that I battle with all the time. I'm constantly seeking new ways to <clears throat> entertain myself when out for long rides or runs. Here are my suggestions. While music is great, I find that I get bored easily. I've listened to all of my favorite music thousands of times and on most of my runs. I'm just tired of it. Now, when I'm in the mood for music, it works, but most of the time, I'm not anymore. After years and years of running, it just doesn't occupy my time. I am a huge podcast listener, hence one of the reasons I started this podcast. I have about 30 podcasts that I rotate, and I am always finding more that entertain me. I have several about mindset, some about business improvement, some about podcast optimization. Hey, I love to learn, and why not learn while I'm running? I have several podcasts about history, some that are current events, and some that are just plain storytelling. I love podcasts because they are short and I get a variety. The other thing I do is listen to audiobooks. I have an Audible membership and I download all types of books, from self-help to fiction. Anything that interests me and I can get a good three to eight hours of one Audible book. Now, I don't do this so much on the bike. It is not particularly safe to ride with headphones. In fact, it isn't. So I'll let you in on a little secret. Is this embarrassing? I'm not sure. Kind of. It is. But for the most part, I love a good bike ride. But if I'm alone and I get bored and start getting the desire to just stop, I start counting or using the alphabet. Yeah, it might be kind of nerdy, but I just try to occupy my mind so that I stop thinking about how hard the work is. So for example, I choose things not so common. Like I don't count by tens. That's easy. I'll count by 23s or 42s. I mean, I don't know. That's just somehow I occupy my mind with that. Whatever makes me think. More common, though, I like to use the alphabet. This is really silly, but it's part of mindset training. 
I will think of complimentary words through the alphabet, like, what makes me a great person? I am A for awesome, B for beautiful, C for caring, D for delightful, E for empathetic, F for fantastic, and so on. It just puts me in a better mood, occupies my mind, and is uplifting. Okay, this next question came after episode 28 about preventing chafing and blisters. She says, I'm still a little fuzzy on how much to apply and where specifically to apply it. I'm also curious about when it's a chafing issue versus needing a new saddle. So this is a great question. I realized after getting this question that maybe I needed to be a little bit more real. So here's my answer. For the chamois cream, I apply very liberally. Getting personal here, but I make sure all the creases in between my legs are well lubed from front to back. My husband does the same. Think anywhere there's even a little bit of friction or just apply anywhere the chamois pad is going to touch. You really can't overdo it, especially if you consider that some will be absorbed into the chamois pad. A key difference between chafing and saddle issues are hot spots or saddle sores. These are areas with intense friction that can lead to sores, like one spot rather than a generalized area, if that makes sense. So saddle sores are skin irritations that can develop around the buttocks, inner thighs, and perineal regions due to friction, pressure, and sweat. They can start as tiny, almost invisible abrasions and can escalate to painful bumps or abscesses. So how can you prevent saddle sores? First, ensure that you have the right saddle for your anatomy and riding style. A professional saddle fitting can be beneficial. A professional bike fitter can help you determine what saddle will work best for you and make adjustments to the measurements of your bicycle. You'd be surprised at what millimeter adjustments will make. Second, wear good quality, well-fitted padded cycling shorts without underwear and always start a ride with clean shorts and a clean body. You might want to shower before longer rides if possible. And then third, Use a chamois cream or a similar lubricating product to reduce friction. And hey, by the way, I have a whole list of products that I like to use on my website. It's at trinursecoaching.com slash resources. And lastly, occasionally stand up out of the saddle during rides to allow blood flow and reduce the pressure. Okay, this next question is one that we all ask at times. How do I get back on track after losing motivation? It's completely natural to experience periods of low motivation. Whether you're training for a triathlon, trying to achieve a wellness goal, or pursuing any other commitment, these phases are part of the journey. Here are some strategies to help you get back on track. Number one, reconnect with your purpose. Think about why you embarked on this journey. Was it for better health, a personal achievement, or another reason? Sometimes revisiting the core reason can reignite that fire. Number two, set manageable goals. Let's reevaluate your goals. It's essential that they're specific and achievable, so you feel motivated by progress, not overwhelmed by the magnitude. Remember that every small step counts. Number three, vary your routine. If you've been following the same routine for a while, it might be time for a change. Let's mix things up, whether that means trying a different workout, changing your run routine, or adjusting your nutrition. A little variety can bring back excitement. Number four, seek a support system. Talk to fellow athletes, friends, family, or a coach. Sharing your feelings and struggles can help, and they might offer encouragement or share their own experiences. Number five, consider a short break. Sometimes a brief rest period can help you come back with renewed energy. Let's discuss what this might look like for you. 
Number six, limit negative influences. If there's something or someone demotivating you, it might be time to distance yourself from that source. Let's focus on surrounding you with positivity. Number seven, visualization. Spend some time visualizing your success. Imagine crossing that finish line or achieving that wellness goal. Let's harness that positive energy. Number eight, commit to the schedule. Even on days when motivation is low, sticking to your routine can help. Often the simple act of starting can reignite your drive. Number nine, stay educated. Perhaps reading about triathlon successes, learning new wellness tips, or understanding the science behind your training can offer a fresh boost of motivation. Number 10, acceptance. Remember that everyone has their ups and downs. It's okay to feel this way. The key is not to dwell on it, but to find ways to move forward positively. Lastly, since you're on this wellness journey, consider integrating mindfulness exercises or relaxation techniques. A balanced mind can often lead to a rejuvenated spirit. And always know, I'm here to support and guide you every step of the way, so get in touch. If you're struggling with this, I would love to help. Not only do I go through periods of demotivation, but I've helped many athletes get through tough times. I know exactly how you feel. Sign up for a free 30-minute goal-setting session at trinursecoaching.com and let's talk about it. So to wrap up, I wanted to talk about a little something, racing in the heat. I know I just did an entire episode on training in the heat. You can refer to episode 32 for more detailed information. But after my race today, I wanted to bring it up again. This is not a listener question, but just something on my heart to mention. Here in Memphis, the Memphis Runners Track Club puts on a 10 race series that starts in July and ends in November. It's a great way to get prepared for the St. Jude Marathon in December. The series consists of two 5Ks, two 5-milers, two 10Ks, two 10-milers, and two half-marathons. Well, if you know anything about Memphis, you know that it is flipping hot in August. Today was the first of two 5-milers, and even at 7 a.m. this morning, it was burning hot. The air temp was nearly 95, it was 100% humidity, nearly 80% dew point, and the tip felt like 106. And there is a heat advisory. So basically, I can say I was sweating before the race even started. I bring all of this up to tell you that sometimes races don't go the way you want, and you have to be able to offer yourself plenty of grace. I luckily had a friend to run with who said we needed to do run-walk intervals. I would normally have just started running, maybe ran too fast, and gassed out by the end. Thanks to my friend Angela, we started off the race doing intervals, and as the hour went on, so did the temperature, along with a beating down sun. It was brutal. I think I can safely say that we all struggled today. Anyway, I didn't meet my time goal and the last mile we walked more than ran. But you know what? We did the best we could with the conditions we were granted and we finished. So my point is, when it's super hot outside, you may need to lower those super high expectations, give yourself a little grace and try to still have a little fun. Now, next week, I will be doing another episode of Listener Questions and Answers. I just had too many to answer this week, and rather than holding on to the others, I decided to go ahead and have another episode back-to-back. I hope you've gained some valuable insight today, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye! That's all for now. Thanks for tuning in. I want to get to know you, so head over to trynursecoaching.com and sign up for a free 30-minute goal-setting session. Love the show? I'd be forever grateful if you left a review and shared the podcast with your friends. And remember, do things that are hard 